This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. than promotion, our hopes for this season was to get through it with no long-term injuries. So to get hit with one in just our third league game of the season is bad enough. But when it happens to arguably the key to our entire operation, you can't help but want to scream. Add in another three players on the same night, albeit smaller injuries, and it's definitely okay to add some swear words to that loud scream. With Alfie Kilgore out for the remainder of the season, we must move on. But does that journey involve another dip into the transfer market? Or has Clough got enough in reserve to continue the push forward without reverting to the age-old Mansfield Town problem solver of square pegs in round holes? I'm sure that'll be tonight's main talking point with the injury concerns still fresh on our mind. But we'll also find time to talk about the draw at Doncaster, the home win over Morecambe, the upcoming trip to the UK's worst seaside, and much more in between, including, as ever, your comments, questions and opinions in the live feed. You know what to do by now. This is the show for the fans, by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters Podcast. And welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters. Thanks again for joining us. It's been a uh, frustrating couple of days for Mansfield, really. The two-all door at uh, Doncaster was a good point, but I think we'd have taken a defeat if we could have held on to the four players that got injured. We'll talk all about that tonight. As always, come and have your say in the comments. Apologies that we're a little bit later starting tonight. We were supposed to have a third panellist, but tech gremlins sort of got in the way and I've uh, thrown a paddy, thrown some equipment out of the window and now just waiting for the police to arrive to arrive to arrest me for a neighbourhood disturbance. But uh, whilst I wait for the, the fuzz to knock on the door, Clive Parkin's going to keep me entertained. Evening, Clive. <laughs> Good evening, Craig. Good to see you, as always. I think we should delve straight in, shouldn't we? Uh, we'll come to the comments in just a minute. As always, come and have your say on your team. Well, there's no other place to start, is there? But the uh, the devastating news, really, that Alfie Corgore is going to be uh, ruled out for 
not just the remainder of this season, but probably up to uh, up to a year. Yeah, um, you couldn't write this story, could you? I mean, our very best player of last season out for pretty much the season. I mean, he's due back February, but who knows? Um, and obviously, our head and shoulders best player this season now gone for the rest of the season. It's very difficult to uh, to say anything other than that's intensely bad luck. However, I think some of the lesser injuries that are proliferating at the moment suggest to me poor conditioning. And I therefore would ask the question again. There's no answer to it, but what are they doing with a huge squad of technical trainers, coaches, fitness coaches? I don't know. They're turning out players that just snap at the slightest problem. Yeah, it's a very frustrating one, isn't it? Because I've never known, and I said this numerous times last season, I've never known a squad or a management team had this many bad luck this much bad luck with injuries and it does seem to be those little things those groins those hamstrings those things which are unpreventable but also I think probably are preventable at the, the same time and it, it's not uncommon to have those injuries throughout the course of the season but you have them in dribs and drabs you know one here one there but to get you know taking Alfie Kilgore aside out of the equation for a second to have three of those style injuries in one night just what three games into the into the league season is a real real conundrum. It does it does make you think how big does that squad actually need to be to cover all eventualities? The medical route, forget the Bishop Street stand and the redevelopment of adding things onto the training ground. But as rumoured, I think it's the medical room that needs another extension, isn't it? It needs to be three stories now. Well, now you know why they've applied for permission to extend the training facilities. They need a, another ward. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a new pitch, is it? It's, a, it's another training, it's another medical room. I mean, we're making light of this, but it is perplexing beyond belief because I've, no, I've never experienced, in, in 128 years of watching the stats, <laughs> I've never experienced anything like this. I mean, perhaps these players are so fit, they're like a taut string, you know, it doesn't take much to snap it. But that's then wrong of the, whoever's conditioning the players. They're over. They're either overfit or underfit, and I don't know the answer to whatever to that question. But I have to say that you know people like Boateng should not be having a, a sprain. He didn't even break sweat. Never might break anything else. Um, and the only thing I would say is that just like when Hewitt got injured, he was playing out of position on his wrong leg. And likewise, Boateng, as we know, can only ever do anything with his left foot. And he was playing down the wrong side of the pitch. Now, if it's not natural, if your body geometry is not natural and you go into certain situations, you may, it's a bigger risk. That's me uh, as a, an absolute expert on, the, <laughs> on body geometry. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think there's probably um, rhyme and reason in that because... Yeah, if you, if you think about it, it sometimes... If you, I actually thought about this at Doncaster, weirdly. On the, I can't remember why I was thinking about it. It was probably to do with something else. But imagine all of a sudden waking up one day and everything that you know is different. So when you're driving to work, instead of driving forwards, you have to drive in reverse. So all the way down the motorway, your cornering's different, all of that stuff, and you're just completely out of kilter. But there is something to be said from for that, to be fair. Um, Boateng, though, it is, um, it, it's one of those things, but the, the biggest blow is obviously Alfie Kilgore, and, you know, you, you really, really feel, because like Elliot Hewitt last year, 
immense player for us, really, really solid in that uh, in that back four. And to lose a player of his calibre so early is a massive, massive blow, not just to the way we, we set up and the way we play, but also to the team. You could see how shaken and how maybe like how their minds drifted in that first half until they could get in that half time and see him. It's a massive, massive impact. Another captain has fallen. Yeah, and we were building a team around the lad. That's the most worrying thing. Uh, at the end of the day, though, we came out in the second half, we played some good football. And I think, you know, we have players that can slot in there, but it, it just removes that level of cover that we've been trying desperately to put in place. Um, I thought the lads who played in the back line after the injury did a, a decent enough job. Um, but, you know, we, we've got the guy from um, Cambridge, for his name. George Williams. George Williams is only a couple of weeks away from being match ready, I understand. So I dare say he'll be warming his bum on the bench over the next few uh, games. Um, and I think, you know, uh, uh, Cargill's did a, a, a creditable job. And, you know, all the things we say about square pegs and round holes, if you put Jordan Bowery somewhere, he'll always give you his best, the best shot. And, you know, generally speaking, he's a reliable chap. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing for me is, short-term fixtures versus long-term fixtures. We got through Tuesday night, and to be fair to, to the lads, in previous seasons, last season in particular, that scenario, losing a player of Alfie Kilgore's standing and then losing the other three through knocks and niggles, would have completely derailed us and would have walked away from that with absolutely nothing other than a defeat. So you've got to give credit to, to Clough and the lads for actually getting through that and taking a well-deserved point away we probably in argument's sake could have had all three but it's a point we're still unbeaten we're still up there and we've, we've got through it the question now is how we move forward because we can't if we go into the next three four games playing Lucas Aikens at right back <laughs> we're not only playing another striker another player out of position but we're also losing it what is you can't I don't think you can even argue with this statement a vital part of our attacking play. He's been fantastic up there, and as soon as you lose him from it, you lose some. You lose the element of attack. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, I've been a, been a big supporter of Lucas Aikens. I've been one of those people that, from the start, have been saying to people who've been ridiculing and just to get real, mm. uh, the guy's contribution isn't always obvious. I think that's the problem. Yeah, and certainly during the days of single cameras, it wasn't always obvious because you'd only saw the guy on the ball and not the fellow who was dragging people around and. I think where we are now is we've got a, a batch of really good players and I think injuries are going to happen. It's just it's just this phenomenon of having in four in one half, you know, it really doesn't make any sense. It was Bradford all over again, wasn't it? Yeah. But we've got McDonald back on uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good thing. Um, and Quinny played, uh, you know, he, he played like a bloke half his age his final ball was poor, but that's that's just on the day. But he, if, he, if other players were as tough and as resolute as Gwynny, we'd be all right. Um, but and I, I have to say, I think our midfield looks fabulous when they're on form. I mean, the goal we scored uh, the other day was it twenty-eight passes, all but two of our team played passes in the in the move that resulted in a goal. I think we've uh, we've got a team that on its day will beat anybody, um, and. Uh, and I think it's it's the, the squad is better than it was last year. Therefore, we can tolerate a few injuries, which you're going to get. Um, what it can't tolerate 
very easily is the loss of, it, loss of its best players on long-term injuries, which is what we've now got. Mm, it certainly is. Um, can't wait for a year's time when we've got Hewitt and Gilgore um, back fighting fit. Um, we'll be some defence then. But who else will come in and, and take that mantle? Because, of course, before Kilgore, it was Hewitt who had the mantle. Um, go on, sorry. sorry. The, the window's still open, of course. So, I mean, there's nothing to stop the club either um, securing the signature of another defender um, or going for one on loan um, just to give us that bit of cover. Um we're not desperate like we were two years ago, but uh, we had the situation at uh, uh, Doncaster where we've got two strikers in defence. Again, we don't want to be doing that. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's come to some of your guys' comments. As always, keep them coming in the live feed and have your say on your team. Um, Adams kicks us off tonight. Who says tech injury list? He was supposed to be joining us, but... Uh, the tech didn't quite work, so I've uh, thrown stuff out the window. He also says, all four crocs in one match, deja vu again. Marie says, got to question the training regime. Three muscle injuries in one night isn't bad luck. Sounds more like bad planning. Williams, how good, asked Adam. Only realised he played at Matlock once I got home. Richard says, we need to get a centre-back and a right-back on loan until January. Unfortunately, since Harbottle signed for Hibs, I don't have any suggestions at this time. The guys who played out of position at Donny did a decent job and the squad is better than last year, but I wouldn't want to use those players regularly in those uh, positions. Um, Mark in the comments has, has put JJ O'Toole question mark. Now, there's an interesting one for me because I was thinking about this entire situation on the way home from, from Doncaster and whilst it it's frustrating on the surface because you've lost Johnson and um, Aaron Lewis. And let's, let's, for this particular part of the conversation, talk just defensively here. Let's not talk about Lewis's role in midfield. Johnson is your first choice right back. Aaron Lewis is your second choice right back. You lose both in one, you lose both in, in one game. Who then comes in? Well, then, you probably look at Jordan Bowery as your next option or Lucas Aikens. Well, let's say it's, it's Jordan Bowery. Like Clive said, he can do a job pretty much uh, anywhere and, uh, and, and can be comfortable. But then players like George Williams, John Joe O'Toole, Cooper, George Cooper, the young, the young defenders spring to mind. Ollie Clark, even as an option, when he played at centre-back for a little bit last year, was absolutely phenomenal. I think we've got enough central defensive cover options who can all do a good job and I think what we've not what we're sort of a little bit worried about is plugging those gaps longer term but not taking into consideration the likes of John Joe Tool two seasons ago when we played the last time we played with a solid back four was absolutely immense didn't hit the ground running last season we didn't play a back four when he played if he if he can get fit aka sort out whatever the bloody hell is clearly going on and get back in the manager's plans, he'll be a good acquisition for us and that frees up somebody else to move across. He can even possibly play right back. You look at George Williams, promotion winner. He's, he's not played at higher levels for no reason. The only trouble is he's coming not quite ready. It's just getting him ready. I think we've got to get through the next two weeks, but I think he'll probably be back in the fold somewhere. So I'd probably argue that Yes, we do need to dive in and get another right-sided option, just in case. But I actually think we've got enough, 
quality without having to do what we did last season, which is square pegs round holes. Because I think we've got round pegs for round holes waiting in the wings. It's just that time frame of them being ready there and us being there now. We just need to marry the two up. Does that make sense in a roundabout way? Yeah. I mean, we're never going to have two for each position and some spares. It's, it, we're always going to have to cobble together situations when the, the, the need arises. And, and that's Clough's point, I think. In, he always likes players that will play wherever he asks them to. Um, and, and he's got that in Lucas Aikens and uh, Jordan Bowery, to just name two. And I think that's good. But what we really want is a settled squad with settled positions, a good, solid back four and keeper that know each other inside out. We were getting there, weren't we? We were getting yeah. there. And Kilgore was the hinge pin in all that. Um, and unfortunately, we, we are now without him for a season. And after, without wanting to sound too overly pessimistic, I don't know the seriousness of, seriousness of his injury, but sometimes you never get back after those things. You know? yeah, that, that's and I'm hoping true. it isn't going to be that scenario because the lad's got plenty of playing left in him. That's very true. I mean, I've just written down some of the options um, that we've got. I've obviously talked through a few of them. But then it sprung to mind that once Stephen McLaughlin's back, um, we've got Callum McDonald who can um, who can also play at, at centre-back. <laughs> we've, got, we've got more options there. Like uh, Paul says in the, the comments, you'll always get injuries. It's a contact sport, but we have players to cover and we're in a better position than what we were last year. So I do think we're there. And I've also written down what I think will be close to the starting lineup on Saturday at Grimsby. Moving Barry across to right back, McDonald comes back into to left back, Flint and Cargill, he's centre back. Maris comes in for um, uh, for Lewis, Reed, alongside Reed and Quinn, and then it's DKD, Aikens, Notes up front. And on, on paper, that 11, other than Barry at right back not being a natural right back is actually a damn good side it is I mean even as we've said we've, we've lost some key players and, and some of them sadly for long periods of time the squad will tolerate that and that's good news that, that is the positive thing about the recruitment leading up to the start of this season and somebody on the comments has just said thank God for, uh, for Flint mm. the arrival of Flint absolutely I mean that man is, a, is, a, is immense he's He's probably only 90% ready, but he's playing really well. And he will be the person that has to take responsibility for keeping that back four together. Yeah, he will he'll step up to be a leader now. And he'll get a share, share of head and goals, I think, as well. Um, he's, he's a mountain, isn't he? I mean, he's a fa fabulous player. Mm. And, uh, and I think we're lucky to have him. And it was perhaps clairvoyant to the club to secure his, his signature when they did. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to get a lot of play, isn't he? He's going to get to take a lot of the central defensive role. And I'm also, I have no lack of confidence in him. I think he's a, he's a, he's a cracking player. Exactly. I, I just don't think there's, there's massive issues to worry. Nobody will agree with this whatsoever. But you know, if we were really, really, really in need and we couldn't get anybody in the transfer window, there's a certain Mr. Perch who's still training every day that we could put on as a player coach just to bolster those numbers because beyond Flint and Cargo as two centre-backs, without even writing Perch down as an option, I've got five options to cover naturally at centre-back. So it's yeah. not that bad. I think, that, I think the real worry and the, the, the real... Let's not worry, that's probably a little bit too dramatic. The real comfort blanket, I think, is just securing a little bit of cover on that right-hand side, just in case Callum Johnson can't get back to 
where he was and just in case we can't get Aaron Lewis back. I'd agree. I think that's the area we need to sod it up a little bit. Um, and, I, and I think that shouldn't be hugely problematic. There are more right-footed players out there than left-footed players and therefore we should have a market pool a bit deeper than we might ordinarily have. So I think the club, with its um, dedicated recruitment team, should be on this one. I would imagine there were people that they thought about but didn't select last time we recruited. So there were still players out there with, with the files open on them. So I don't, if they really want to get somebody, they will do. It's a question of whether they like, we've just discussed, feel that perhaps the squad's in its present form is good enough and deep enough. Yeah, it could we be. Wouldn't, I mean, I, I, tend, I tend to agree there's no need to panic, but another game where you lose four players in the first half, we can't tolerate that. Yeah, absolutely. It could be a lot worse. It could be two weeks after the uh, transfer window and loan window had closed and we could only go after free agents. So it, it could be a lot worse. Uh, Ryan in the comments says, I'd argue we need to dive back into the market to play safe. We played players out of position such as Aikens and Barry last year and I'd argue they've played far better this season when they've played close to their position than not. I do question if these injuries have something to do with the training methods. I think we probably all agreed, aren't we, that it, it's got to be a, a right-back option. Um, I think we've got enough cover at centre-back, like we've, like we've, like we've said. But the, the, the bigger question is, how do we approach it? Do we buy somebody in? Do we add another player permanently to the ranks? Or do we get a loan in, a younger loan, um, Somebody of the, the Riley Carbottle age and, and, and mould who can play right back, but on loan until January just to cover the numbers. Bearing in mind that we've also got a, a natural right back who hasn't got the Football League experience granted, but is also our player who's not on my list in Taylor Anderson. Yeah, and surely this is the season when we should be seeing bits of them, cameo roles anyway, regardless of any injury crisis that, that drives things differently. You know, and I think, you know, we've got probably three or four, and I'm going to use the word loosely, junior players that are by rights ready to be given some uh, first-team experience. You know, yeah. I think Abdullah deserves a, a throw in this. And so under certain circumstances, he's prolific as a goal scorer. We don't know how good he would be at this level. Um, but at some point, in the right circumstances, he should be given uh, pitch time. I know he came on for a few minutes the other, the other day. That didn't really amount to a great deal. but And the game was won by then. But I think uh, it's going to be an interesting test for us because um, we're all getting a little bit carried away. I thought, me included, by the way. I was thinking we're going to, we've got the squad from heaven and we were going to m march our way through this uh, league. That one, I wasn't suggesting we'd win every game, but I didn't think we'd be conceding very many goals. Now, obviously, that was pre predicated on having our... Um, having um, Kilgore available for 40 games a year um, and that's not happening this year so we just have to temper our, uh, our expectations a little bit but I still believe we've got we've got the matching of any team in this league I guess we've not seen many of them yet yeah um, but I think uh, it'll be a very, very different Grimsby that we play on Saturday than we played in the League Cup yeah it certainly will we'll come on to those uh, later on I've just had a horrible thought uh, flash in my mind that uh, Will Swan was on the bench on, uh, on on Tuesday night came on for 45 minutes he could start and Nigel Clough could do his old tricks and research the centre-back his ball 
I don't know. <laughs> I think we're probably being over-cynical. But, yeah. uh, but that's a defence mechanism, isn't it? We just don't know what to do with the circumstances we find ourselves in. We are just fans and observers of the whole thing and the club don't tell you what they don't want you to know. And I just think, you know, we we have a a, a large squad by, by comparison to any other league team at the moment, yeah. League two team. And that's got to be good news when we have injuries. It's just how many we can tolerate. And as I said a few moments ago, it's not the fact we've got players injured. It's that they're very important players and they're out for a long time. Yeah, that's, something you, that's something you can't legislate for. Yeah, absolutely. I bet Nigel Clough is absolutely kicking himself that he's let Anthony Hartigan go on loan, the season loan to Barnet. Oh, no, wait. We still don't need him with uh, Hiram Botang even injured. We've still got enough. Good move for him, to be fair. I like, I like Anthony Hartigan. I think he's... Uh, uh, a good player. Obviously, ca- any player that carries a, a tag of specialist, I always add a little bit of pressure to. But been unlucky not to break into the squad. Had his two shoulder injuries and, you know, a move back closer to home with Barnett. It's a good level for him. They'll be competing. And we can always call him back if we if we need to. Yeah, he needs to play. And he wasn't going to get much uh, playing at Mansfield with the squad we've got now. Um, and to be fair... Where I sit, in a bit of terracing, I sit on, everybody takes the mickey out of Hartigan. But it's it's a bit more like ribaldry rather than nastiness because we've just not seen enough of him to, to judge him, really. Yeah. Um, you know, every time there's a free kick, we're saying, bloody hell, why haven't we got Hartigan for his free kick specialisms? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether he was recruited just as a free kick specialist. I mean, he was supposed to be a creative midfielder, but we never get, got to saw him because to see him because of his injuries, and then he fell out of uh, competitiveness. Yeah, and that's the problem. Once you know, once you're out of it, football—it's it, it, a harsh truth, but football moves on because games come thick and fast, and you can't afford to dwell. And I think that's probably an important um, sentence to swing us back to what we were talking about. You cannot afford to dwell. Um, we spent far too much time in previous seasons going, oh, well, if we didn't have this player injured, we didn't have that player injured. It almost became an excuse and a dark cloud which hung over his game after game after game. What we've got to say is, yeah, it's absolutely horrible that our best player defensively and our captain, our leader in Alfie Kilgore is out for the remainder of the season. But we can't change that now, just like I can't change the tech at the start of the show, just like I can't change... Um, what I ate for breakfast this morning or the, the crap cup of tea that I made before we started out of, out of a rush job it's in the past what you can do though is go right what have I got to work with right next time I'm going to leave the tea bag in longer and put less milk in you learn on those decisions and you move on for the future and that's what we need to do we need to protect what we've got and make sure Alfie Kilgore mentally still feels involved with the club and we look after him, which I'm sure the club will do through due diligence and all of that player care process. But ultimately, when it comes to three o'clock on Saturday afternoon, we as a club, as a fan base, as a group of players, as a management team, have to be ready to step over that white line and play Grimsby without going, oh, well, if we'd have had Kilgore, we wouldn't have conceded that goal. Do people actually talk like that where you sit? I, I don't know. Can I just on No, it's usually get it up in. That's, that's, that's an accurate representation, I think. 
Anyway, I'd just like to apologise to our, to our watchers and listeners for Craig's analogies again. The teabag analogy didn't really work at all. I, I thought it was, I thought it was uh, brewing nicely, but there you go. You, you carry on thinking that. So I, th- <laughs> I think where we're at now is we've got a, we have some cover in the short term for the for, for the uh, uh, the defensive line, and I think that's better than we've been for the last couple of seasons. So it's not quite as bad as it would have been. I think midfield. I want to see some of these players stepping up to the mark a bit now. We look a distinctively better team with Maris in it. Um, he's he's got he's got presence, and he's not frightened of having a shot. And yeah. he's a tough he's a tough monkey, you know. Um, Lewis, I see, has been a bit more svelte, a bit more uh, uh, not delicate, but if you like, more sophisticated. But he doesn't have that presence. He doesn't have that power that I think Maris can bring along. Uh, and likewise, I think uh, Lewis Reed is, he's a small player, you know, so you do need somebody in the middle there with a bit of grunt. Yeah. Um, but I think we're better off than we've been for a long time in that respect because, you know, we looked at the loss of Lapsley. It's not really been a loss, has it? Um, you know, and uh, who else did we lose to Port Vale? Who was that? Uh, Charlesley, wasn't it? Charlesley. I, I, I was saddened when he went, but, you know, life goes on, doesn't it? We, we move on and we've got what we've got. Still a big question mark over Boateng, I think, because he he can be brilliant, but not very frequently. Yeah, if he had a right foot, he'd be dangerous, wouldn't he? Um, let's, uh, what was I going to say? I had something on the tip of my tongue about it. Oh, yeah, that's it. Obviously, with all these, you know, this, this big squad and all these players, you know, people think, well, given what happened on Tuesday with, with the injuries, the last thing we want is, is games. But actually, we do need games now. And I do wonder when this reserve league, which we've entered, is going to kick in. Because you're looking at the likes of George Williams to step up. You're looking at potentially getting, all right, at the minute, this is where we're at because we've made no signings. John Joe Tall in to give you a little bit of uh, additional cover. George Cooper, Taylor Anderson... Stephen McLaughlin as well. That's another name that I've uh, not mentioned when he's back in a month or so, two months, whatever it, it may be. When does this reserve league kick in? Because the sooner we can get these players um, who need the minutes, minutes, the sooner they can have an impact on that first team selection in League Two and uh, make what is already a strong squad stronger. Yeah, I'm not, I've not heard anything more about it. I was told that there was going to be this... Uh, mm second string league and I've, I've been pleading for that for a long time um, but I've not heard any more detail on that yeah we need to uh, hopefully we get some details on that in the uh, the coming weeks I'd imagine it would be sort of September time when it would kick off there's significantly less games uh, in that than, than what's in the league it doesn't work like every single league team oh, I don't, uh, I don't uh, think we could sustain a 46 game no. reserve league we, we, we haven't, you'd need an even bigger squad for that we, we, we couldn't do that the, the reality is it's going to be more like 10, 12 games, if, if that, and they'll be sort of every two, three weeks. Um, but when you you know, you know throw in the, the Papa John's trophy in there, you've got the Carabao Cup second round at Chef Wednesday as, as well. We've got games coming up where we can get these players' fitness as well. But I think just having that those reserve games in there um, will be a, a real I presume as well this, this league's going to be regionalised, so there will yeah. be huge amounts of travelling to do. Yeah, which isn't it isn't too bad. So it won't be just re- regionalised to teams in our division either. It'll, it'll be made up. There'll be some real tests in there, you know, across all four divisions. We'll probably play the likes of Derby, Forest, um, Port Vale, um, Lincoln, etc., etc. All you know, Rotherham, your Sheffield teams, 
teams that aren't too far travel wise, which is imperative, I think, for you know, for, for the for the players' legs and and that because when you do add in those travel factors, it, it does make a difference when you're picking up these muscle injuries and things as well. So uh, that'll be interesting to find out a bit more uh, information. I, on I that also think if they get this thing running, they'll be reasonably well attended by fans as well. As long well, as they don't, don't overcharge for it. it. Well, there's the other thing. I think that seems to remember when we were in the conference and we were in the reserve league. Um, then I think it was the, the central reserve league. The majority of the games were played on Wednesday afternoons. So that's a, a, another thing. Um, obviously, to save on costings with floodlights, etc. A fair majority of them, because they were competitive but non-competitive, were also played behind closed doors so didn't really allow fans in I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to, to personally um, obviously we'll talk more about it when we get more details from Nigel Clough in his press conferences if he gets asked the questions um, I'd quite like to see those become nighttime games or afternoon games where we can early evening games that we can actually get to and, and watch those players that aren't uh, Playing in the first. I mean, I understand the, the logic of playing in the afternoon to avoid switching the floodlights on, but when we move into the winter, that doesn't work either. You put the floodlights no. on at, uh, at two o'clock, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's that horse has bolted. I think the, the logic has got to be, do they see it as a serious competition that would be enjoyed by spectators Yeah. Um, or not? Yeah. I'd hope so. I think it's. I think there'll be a good amount of competitiveness uh, in there. Uh, let's go back to uh, the here and now. Uh, keep your comments coming in as always, like this one from George. Uh, Make sure you appreciate what Quinn brings to the side. He's very rarely gets injured, and the red mist every now and again. Uh, but I, but I, but quality and his his quality and is always reliable. I said this at the end of last season. I said it at the end of, of the previous season when he was uh, rumoured to be hanging up his boots. What are we going to do without Stephen Quinn? <laughs> well, we should have been finding that out this season, shouldn't we? Because the original news, he was hanging his boots up at the end of last season. Yeah. But having said that, I mean, the lad's as good as he's been since he's been with the, the club. It's just the duration that he, you can't expect him to put in. And certainly if there's two games every week, he can't play two lots of 90s. Well, they're not 90s anymore, are they? They're, they're at least 100 minutes long in the game. So... Um, so he's half a player, but he's a really good half. And if if uh, if every player played as well as he does consistently, we'd be would be better for it. But I mean, yes, somebody mentioned uh, his disciplinary situation. Well, it's he has got a bit of the Irish red mist comes out every now and again, and it, on, you can see it coming as well. You know, if he's not happy with the referee's decision, he doesn't let it go. And today, referees are, uh, are not expected to tolerate that, and they won't. And he'll end up with more yellows for opening his mouth than for kicking people up in the air. Yeah, hopefully he learns a lesson uh, quick on that one. You never know. Um, Michael says, Maris and Clark will get you goals. I agree when Ollie Clark's uh, fit. Maris certainly will be. Interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how George Maris uh, handles the old personal situation now, Clive, and uh, handles sleep deprivation. Did you, did, you see, did you see his interview after uh, Tuesday? He just went, I'm just happy to be out of the house. <laughs> Listen, his, his work will be a blessed relief if he's anything like most dads. You can tolerate new babies for so long, but after a while, you think, oh, well, let me. It's, going to work is the equivalent to going to the pub. Yeah. Get out of the way. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for that, because like, it's, it's natural to be, a, you know, to be happy when babies come along and, and I've been there myself. And, and, and the, the joy soon dissipates when you've had three or four missing nights of sleep and, uh, 
uh, but that's parenthood. It's, it's the price you pay, and I, I think he's not the only uh, player in our squad that's got family. So you know, it's just one of those things you have to work through. Yeah, same with Reece Oates later on in the season. We're going to have to contend with um, him potentially missing the odd game like Maris did in pre-season. When Oates has misses, he, he's ready to uh, ready to go. Well, she, she needs to be th- thoughtful about this and only have the baby when he gets one of his injuries. <laughs> well, just don't trip him up over the umbilical cord. Um, as ever, keep your comments uh, coming in and from all of us here at Maxwell Matters. A massive congratulations to, uh, to George and his, uh, and his partner on the safe arrival of their new baby girl. Um, another question's come in um, about uh, the ever-adaptable Mr. Bowery. I think it's a one-word answer. Do you think Barry will ever play as a nine again? The answer, simultaneously, will probably just say it contains two letters. No. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, in, all, in all fairness, I don't think many clubs play with a nine anymore. No? You know, and, you know, it's not a or, traditional one anyway. I think no, it's more of it's a squad number. That's it. Yeah. And I just think it is. Traditionally, this is a centre forward. Well, not many clubs have a centre forward anymore. It's just an, it's an old fashioned, uh, it's an anachronism of the past. I mean, we've had some centre-forwards in our time as a football club. It's way before your time, so I'm not going to bore you with it. Um, But the the world's moved, and, you know, we now have a much more uh, complex and sophisticated framework where where the team's formats are concerned. So I think, you know, wearing number nine doesn't mean anything. And I I just think the lad is perfectly adaptable. He's got strength. He's not the best player in the world, but I don't think he's at the wrong end of his career now. But that's, that's a matter. If he puts himself... He gives 100% on the pitch. That's all you can ask of him. And he yeah. always seems to do that. And he's got a mistake in him every game. Of course, that's that's the risk we take. Yeah, but that's League 2. Every player has, has got a mistake in him at, at that point. That's the, that's the entire point. They're at this level for, for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And Kilgore was much to blame for the goal we, we conceded the other day. You know, it, 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 it will happen. I don't, I, we've not mentioned Pim, have we? <laughs> do we need to? Well, I just want to repeat what I've said in previous programmes. He worries me. He really does. I don't think he's the best keeper in our... Somebody said he's not the best keeper in League Two. I said he's not the best keeper at Mansfield. <laughs> I have to say, I have not watched the uh, the second goal back yet, but there are a couple occasions. I almost had an argument with somebody that was sat... I think they were sat on your row, actually, on Tuesday night about him, and then uh, we quickly agreed on, uh, on opinions. Um and that is, there was one particular moment where he had a go at Aidan Flint, and uh, Flint has obviously played at a higher level and expects his goalkeeper to come out. I'm sick and tired of people saying, "Oh, the defenders should deal with that when it's in the six-yard box." Even if it's in the twelve-yard box, if it's in the box, that's a keeper's back garden. That's their territory to deal with it. And if pimped for me. He, he sits sometimes in the back of his net rather than uh, on his like, He spends far too much time getting uh, acquainted with that. Just come out and be a bit more commanding, I think. Yeah, he needs to dominate more. Um, and then when he's got the ball, he needs to distribute more quickly. And those are fairly big criticisms of a goalkeeper, if you think about it. Mm. Um, as a shot stopper, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether he's good or not, because he doesn't get that many shots to save, does he? Yeah. I mean, the second goal, he could have he could have parried that away uh, more away from the potential danger area, and he didn't. But uh, you know, that's going to happen from time to time. I don't think he had much of a chance with the with the uh, the first goal that was scored. 
Yeah. Oh no. One who, of those who's saving that? That's just an incredible hit. One every one of those every five years. If you're a footballer, I mean, it just it could have gone over the stand, couldn't it? Yeah. It didn't. It it, it moved. It dipped, and the keeper had very little time to react. So I'm not going to blame him for that one. No. No. I mean, I blame the defence because they didn't clear the ball. They had two chances to get rid of it and didn't do it. So, but yeah, as we've said, they're going to make mistakes, and it's how you deal with it. Yeah. Um, the Bowery argument is continuing in the in the comments. Um, Adam says Bowery has become a utility player. Does he do enough for his wages? Two recent mistakes. Simon uh, replied with Barry was immense on Tuesday when he came on, and uh, the reply to that from Adam was disagree. Cost second goal and a back pass faux pas the other week too. Not good. Not enough endeavour. I'm going to have to, to to disagree with Mr. Crump on this one. I actually like Jordan Bowery. I think every team needs a Jordan Bowery. And I think he is wrongly judged for being this out-and-out striker because of that. what we were talking about two minutes, uh, two minutes ago. Um, uh, and that is the number that's on his back. People look at the number nine and think, oh, out-and-out striker, or what's he doing playing at centre-back? It's laughable when he comes on at centre-back or left-back or whatever. He's a player and he's an experienced player. And there's a reason that we have extended his contract, we've triggered options on him, and there's a reason he stayed at the club because he's a nice guy, he's a utility player, and he's the only player, when I asked the biscuit question, that considered having a cup of tea as an option. So Jordan Barrow, for me, captain. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think I share some of your views on Jordan. I think he's a he's a player we we uh, we can get value out of. He, but that's not to say he's a perfect player and he isn't. And put him out of his natural position, he'll have more opportunity to, to make a mistake, and that's that's inevitable. But you know the numbers don't mean a bloody thing nowadays, does it? I mean, what, what's the what's the natural position for forty four? For God's sake! Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's it, back it, in my day. You knew what it was. Through it, we one to eleven, and that was that. Yeah. Oh dear! We I mean, had one sub as well. Yeah, and that, and the, and then if, even then they might not play in goal. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a weird one. Um, Adam says he'll take a pound for Jordan in January. I, I would be disappointed to see Jordan Power go, and uh, you know, I, I I can't wait for him to get man of the match on uh, on on Saturday for. Um, I mean, to be fair, Daddy's right in what he says in the comments. You can't keep, keep giving players contracts because they're nice. True, no, not, but you can't play football as well. And I don't think you you actually put that as a reason for signing contracts. You just have to nice. Yeah, I think the guy has got a value at the moment. I think he's probably only got another good season in him anyway. Yeah, and, and he's probably going to tumble down uh, into the lower uh, lower down the pyramid to have his last thrash. But I mean, don't just remind ourselves he was a half a million pound player at one point wasn't he and uh, and he has got uh, he has got some talent he's just I, I just think he's I'd keep him on the, I'd keep him on the payroll simply because of his versatility and his willingness listen I, I think if he was handed, handed the gloves and started in goal on uh, on Saturday I think we'd all I, I think we'd, we'd get behind him and I think he'd do a decent job I think he just throws himself into what he, what he does and to preempt Clive's next comment well, they do a better job than Pim. I was thinking that, but I would never have said it. You would. That's the <laughs> you really would. Um, and to back up that, um, I don't know whether this stat is accurate or not, um, but uh, in the comments, uh, there's a comment which says, in the league this season, Pim has had eight shots against him and conceded four. Well, let's be kind-ish and discount one of them, those conceded, because 
no goalkeeper in the world is saving that uh, that pop shot from from Doncaster for the first goal, are they? So, you know, and he did make a couple of saves in the second half against uh, was it sorry the first half against Doncaster that. Whilst you might argue he should as a, as a keeper, he did it well. I mean, he, yeah. he came out smothered one, he parried one away. Um, but it's those shots from a distance you don't expect to concede. And I guess he feels as bad about the one that went in as anybody does. But it yeah. wasn't his fault. I mean, if you if you get your glove on something that goes in, then you're going to, as a keeper, going to blame yourself, aren't you? Yeah. And, you know, the big, the big question is, there's two big questions really when it comes to, to Christy Pym, which I think we need to address and find out answers to. We're not going to, though, are we? Let's, let's be honest. And that is, is he a nice guy? You know, the Jordan Bowery method. And, of course, more importantly for this podcast, what's his favourite biscuit? I think his favourite biscuit is whatever Clough tells him it is. And you can't argue with that, can you? Um, uh, going back to the Bowery thing as well, before we take a quick break, uh, Richard says, Bowery's attitude and willingness to play in other positions should be admired. Yeah, absolutely. Can't disagree with that uh, whatsoever. Uh, keep your comments coming in. Uh, we're going to take a very, very brief break and then we're going to talk all things Doncaster on the pitch in terms of performance and look at that Morgan game as well and, of course, then turn our attentions elsewhere as we look ahead to a trip to the seaside on Saturday afternoon as everybody gets ready to descend and fight over which is the best fish and chip restaurant in Grimsby in Cleethorpes as they have fish, chips, mushy peas and dodge pavements paved with dog poo and more furniture in the garden than a furniture warehouse. Don't go anywhere. We're right back here on the show for the fans and by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Matters. Welcome back to the show for the fans at By The Fans. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. Keep your comments coming in. Right, we've talked all about injuries and missing players and muscle strains and whether or not Jordan Bowery likes uh, digestive or a, a chocolate hobnob. Let's talk performance, Clive, because given the circumstances on, on Tuesday night, lesser teams uh, and certainly teams of ghosts of Mansfield past would have crumbled. But the reality is we came away with a solid point and something to build on. Unbeaten start to the season continues. Yeah, we've got to keep reminding ourselves that we're not in a we're not in a bad place, are we? We're third or fourth in the league at the moment. It doesn't mean a jot at this stage, um, but we are unbeaten. We have taken points from every game. You could argue we could have had wins at both uh, Crew and Doncaster, but equally to pick up on your point in previous seasons. With the scenario we had at Doncaster, and the crew for that matter, we'd have capitulated. We didn't do it this time. And we yeah. could have gone on and won, it, won the game, you know, with a bit more luck. And if I'm being, I don't want it to sound like I'm moaning here, but I don't think we've had any luck at all this season so far. We, we've not had the rub of the green, have we? 
No, we haven't. Um, and I still think there's a lot more to come to us. I mean, I, think, I thought we played okay against Morecambe. We were, I don't think we're at the levels that we, that we were. I think it took us a good 25 minutes uh, to get going. But it, it's once we hit our stride that we look dangerous. I just think we need to be a little bit... We just need to turn up the dial a little bit more earlier on in the game and really take hold. And I think getting that first away victory of the season... That's going to be key. We can do it at home. We know we can do it at home. Our fans expect us to do it at home. We've got to match what we did last season and and, uh, and do it on the road now. Although there's a lot to be said for winning your home games, drawing your away games. If you do that, you're going to have a successful season. So, so far, the averages say we're on course. Yeah, and I have to think, I also think that we are capable this season, as we were last season, of picking up a lot of success on, on our travels. Because teams play set up differently when they're at home, and we we exploited that quite well last year. Was it twelve wins we got on the road yeah. last year? So I think we need to recognise that's probably one of our core strengths. And if we can turn Phil Mill back into a bit of a fortress, we we, we took our eye off the ball a little bit last year. Um, we, we, it's not a complicated game, is it? As you say, win at home and draw away, or whatever the the, the, the formula you choose to, to adopt. If you don't concede many goals, you're going to win more games. And I have to still say, if you if you get clean sheets, you never lose a game. Um, now, we've proved in the last couple of uh, matches we can't keep a clean sheet. But that, those are phenomenons. And I think, sorry, I'll, I'll use the proper language, phenomena. Um, they... Um, the, you couldn't have expected what happened, and uh, you know the sending off at crew. It was it, timing of that. Well, whether it was right or wrong is not not really there. The timing of that turned the game. Yeah, and, and the injuries on uh, Tuesday night at uh, Doncaster had an impact on the game. We got it. We got over it, and we played very well. I thought in the second half. So uh, I think things will happen, and. You know, we might go into a home game fully expecting to win. We'll get turned over. That's how yeah. it works. You'll go to Bradford City not expecting to win and you'll turn them over. Those are the things that happen at this level. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, it's a long old season. There's still a long time to go. And uh, I think you just focus on the positives. Is, and that's that even with moving a few of those Jenga blocks around, um, you know, we did okay on Tuesday night and we got through it. The important thing is to not lose games and to, to get through it and to uh, to move on to the I'll next. I'll tell you what, Craig, we're making we, we, we're making a lot of goal attempts, which yeah. is something we weren't doing as well last year. Oh, don't get me started on XG. This is so, well, I don't even know what XG is. Is it a pop group? Well, it could well be for all it, it matters. So XG, for those that don't know, is a, is a term which sort of first broke its way through when Football Manager did a bit of an update a couple of uh, game versions ago. And it basically means expected goals. So it's some sort of mathematical bollocks calculation, which is to do with shots on target versus goals scored or some crap like that. But it means absolutely sod all. So we've got an XG of... We had an XG in a game of something like 3.5827 next door's cat's mother's brother or whatever. It means nothing because it doesn't actually get you a goal. The only expectation in terms of goals should be that you score one more than the other team. And, and again, I, I'm a simplest. If you don't shoot, you don't score. And I think we're, we're putting a lot more effort into making goal chances this year. If we could just turn it up a little bit, and I don't want to know about stats and XGs, um, we're going to take someone's pants down at some point this season, I think. Yeah. We're going to get a bag full from somebody. I'm surprised we haven't done it last season because at times we were playing such lovely football. 
Yeah. I think, you know, notwithstanding the issues we've got, sooner or later, we're going to have five shots and score four goals or we're going to get eight shots and score six goals. It will happen. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But none of that is down to, uh, to, to XG or anything like that. It, but that's a, it, it's, it's a stat. But it's a, it's a stat which can be spun in a positive way. And anything that's spun posi- positively, I'm all for. Uh, but also, you can, um, you can also say that you can spin things negatively. Watch this. So we've had a comment in which says we've had 69 shots over three games, but we've scored what? Six goals? Yeah, so one in ten. Yeah. So that for me is, I, I would argue that we've had 69, like a pessimist or a negative way of turning that stat would be saying 69 shots, three games, not scored enough goals. It's, I mean, it's the way another, you win things. Another positive about stats is it keeps statisticians in, in a job. What would they do if we yeah. didn't have stats? Exactly. I it mean, was- I, I got one of my pet grumbles, as you know, is the magnificence of, of uh, coaching, training, and non-playing staff. We seem to and we've got statisticians, we've got analysts, um, and coming out of ears seemingly, uh, and an awful lot of emphasis now seems to be on this uh, mapping of players uh, during the game and turning that into statistics, and then how much percentile turnover there was in that part of the pitch, et cetera, et cetera. I've only just come to terms with assists. <laughs> don't make it any more complicated than it is. I was listening to the, uh, I was watching a bit of the women's football and uh, the, the woman, uh, I can't forget her name, that she was comment, one of the pundits. She was rattling on about turnovers and assists and, and uh, second ball conversions and all sorts of stuff. And I just thought, well, can we just watch the game? You know? You, well, I, you kick I mean, the ball in the goal, it's a goal, that's it. I mean, you can. I mean, I, I can solve that issue for you, Clive. There's a little button on your remote control, four letters, mute. <laughs> <laughs> just try that next time. Um, but it, it, it's not just the women's football. I don't want to have no, myself on that. It's crept into the game at every level. And, it has. and now you see these little panels pop up on your screen saying what the statistic was for this and that and the other. Do you know it? I find it fascinating that obviously, you know, everyone knows me, will know that I have this hankering to continue commentary. I always look at other commentators and their preparations. Some commentators spend days on end putting together these big stat books over um, how many games they've played, how many minutes they've played, how many miles they've covered and all of that. And I, I just used to look at who the manager was, who the top scorers was, and and had a little look at how they played because it's nice to have a stat in your back pocket but sometimes you can prepare all of these stats and all of these um, lines and you spend far much too much time trying to look big and clever getting those in and you actually forget the, the point of the game anyway let's move away from, uh, from, from that tangent and go back to uh, some of your guys comments that nobody wants to hear me have a mental breakdown although you do it every week because you tune into this podcast so there you go um, Simon in the comments says received Positive comments from opposition managers getting a strong reputation. Um, George adds, think we have had some good reviews from opposition managers, which is refreshing. All right, they possibly couldn't say anything else, but it's been a refreshing change and it's good to see. Um, uh, slight tangent, but enjoying the new rules. More ball in play, less time wasting, feigning injury, which will help us more with our flowing game. I have to agree with that, Clive. Can't 
So I, I've always thought that that's one thing you should do. That's always been a bugbear of mine watching football. Ball goes out of play and you spend so much time um, waiting to take a throw in. We saw it the other the other the other day at Doncaster. Ball went out on the the right hand side of it. I think it was Aikens who was playing up front at the time. Took the throw in and got on with it. And just that little bop 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 that energy doesn't give the opposition time to reset and get back into position. I'm all for it. Yeah, I've noticed people have as soon as they're a free kick and there's no uh, uh, disciplinary action being taken by the referee. The player that's got the ball at his feet puts his hand on it, stops the ball and kicks it away, gets back into play. And I think that's good. But having said all that, the time wasting that this has been set up primarily to try and deal with should have been dealt with in a different way. Or anyway, the referee should have had the instructions from above to give no tolerance for people who wander down the line from throw-ins, people who take too long to take a throw-in, goalkeepers who stand and admire the ball for you know 25 seconds longer than is it should be allowed. They've always had the cards in their pockets. They just haven't been, I guess they haven't been given the, the license by the uh, referee's seniority to do those things. But as soon as you see a goalkeeper wasting time booking, the second time, send him off. You know, yeah. there's no question in my book. If you take a foul throw, instantly award it to the other side. Don't yeah. say, go back and take it from the right place. No, you've taken it in the wrong place. It's a foul throw. Just like if you don't throw the ball properly, and, and, and can, it, 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 as the rules require you to do, it's a foul throw. You've lost the opportunity. Give it to the other side. Yeah. I, I mean, be- I, it's a rant, I know, but the, the, lots of the things that have tried to conquer with this floating time clock now is things they could have been dealing with anyway. Yeah. But I think it's given them a reason to deal with it. And I, I'm, I'm very much, uh, very much for that. I think it might peter out as the, the months go on. I think we might become frustrated with it in the winter months, but I think it suits our style. And I think we've adapted to it quite well. And there'll be other teams that, that haven't. The teams like Sutton United, just to pick, pick one, um, who were very much, especially when they used to come to the one call, were very much time-wasting, frustrated, run the clock down. That part of that game killed them off. They've got to find another way. And yeah, but as I said earlier, I mean, I remember playing away at Crew last year. We we scored a winner in the time that was added on for a blatant time wasting by one of their players. Yeah, um, and that was proper justice, and it didn't need a, a change in the rules to do that. It was simply the referee said, "I'm allowing time for all this," and they did. Now the trouble is, not every referee does the same thing. So I guess this is a way of artificially putting regular standards in place. I don't know. I just think that there's a risk attached to this because if uh, you add 15 minutes to every game, which is more than likely in, in this situation we have, then players are going to work harder for longer. They're going to make tackles that are, as they're tired at the end of the game. They're going to pick up injuries. They're going to pick up bookings because they'll miss time stuff. Um, I think it will have to settle back a little bit. Yeah, completely agree. Um, final comment before we move on to the best jingle in the world, and it's from Danny. It's a question. Do you think we'll regret letting Wallace go? Now, how long have we got? Um, I think everyone knows my, my thoughts on this one. I was disappointed to see him go. I think, I don't think we, I think regret's a strong word. I don't think we'll regret letting him go. I think we'll be maybe a little bit frustrated at letting him go because of the options he gave us. He was never the most mobile. He was never going to get up and down the pitch, but he would come in and and do a job. And I think having him there as an an extra option, I think would have been valuable to us 
to cover the eventualities of, of one or two players missing. But he's also a human being that's had a career and wants a career. And if you were him, you wouldn't want to be the player that might get a game if seven players ahead of you all get uh, injuries. You want to go and make a name for yourself and play. Simple. It was the right move for the player. Yeah. Um, and it, at the time, it was probably the right move for the football club. All I would say is if it was this week, would have let him go, would we? No, not at all. He'd be uh, guaranteed being the starting lineup on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, speaking of which, we need to uh, move our attentions uh, to that. So, Jingle Gods, play the jingle. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? It's the guessing game that brings you zero fame. But to be the best, you must outguess the rest. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? In the League or Cup, you just make it up. Because they're just works of fiction. It's podcast predictions. Will they win, lose or draw? The much-awaited table will be coming your way on next week's podcast as we look to wrap up the first month of the season. But it is time to get your guesses in ahead of that Grimsby game. I think it'll be a much difficult, more difficult game than what it was at one call in the Cup a few weeks ago. Uh, but Clive, how do you think it's going to play out? I'm going to be very, very optimistic and I'm going to say a 3-0 win. <laughs> and your man of the match? Well, I would have said Alfie Kilgore automatically, of course, but I'm afraid I can't do that now. I'm going to go DKD. Ah, good choice. I am going to go for a... I think they've started to find their goal scoring now, and I think because of the whole um, Kilgore situation, I think it might take us a little bit of time to get in. I think we might go 1-0 down, but I think we're going to win 3-1. And I am going to put as my uh, man of the match um, for Saturday afternoon... I'm going to put George Marison. Um, I think he's going to come straight into the starting lineup. Um, I can't see him not doing. I think my 11, like I said earlier, will be Pim, Bowery right back, Flint Cargill centre back, McDonald back in at left back, Maris Reed Quinn as your midfield three, um, DKD in just behind Aikens and Oates. One thing for me we, we can't do, I don't think we can play Aikens at right back. We touched on it a little bit earlier on, but for me, he's a Vital cog in our attack. I'm not slating him. I'm not saying he's a poor right back. But defensively, he does lack it. I think Jordan Bowery's got a little bit more defensive nous about him than what Lucas Aikens has. And Lucas Aikens gives us a real good option than that uh, that right-hand side. You saw a number of quality balls that he put in the other night. He's a threat. He's been a, a big hold-up man this season. We need him up top. Simple. I agree. Uh, and that's it. We should probably leave it there. That's, that, I don't think there's any more conversation to be to be had other than um, to uh, plug all things uh, SSA and uh, talk about um, what they've got coming up. So uh, there are still limited seats, um, or they were as of uh, Tuesday anyway. Very good. Go on. You got the number. I can't. Yeah. You've written it down. There you go. Yes. Um, so they've got limited seats uh, for the third coach to Grimsby please text or ring the telephone number is 07967 689597 to book your seat please be patient and respect the SSA is run by volunteers as a labour of love most of whom also work full time jobs and any abuse or disrespect of SSA volunteers 
will not be tolerated. There needs to be more comments in that sentence. Family-friendly SSA com- coaches, no alcohol allowed, in brackets, will depart one course stadium to Grimsby at 10.30am, priced at £15 for SSA members and £30 for non-SSA members, payable in cash only on the day of travel. Please note, access to the SSA members' prices for Grimsby will strictly be on production of the 23-24 SSA membership card. New membership cards will be available before and on the day of travel from SSA for fully paid-up members. SSA thanks all travellers and their new travel partners who haven't paid Mansfield Manus a penny, so don't get a mention. That number again, if you want to book, is... 07967689597. Yes, do book yourself on the coach. Have a great day. Make sure you pick your, your best fish and chip shop. Clive, what's your recommendation? Well, I, I'm no authority, but Alan Wilson, who we defer to in these matters, believes sincerely that the one on the pier is the one to go to. So that's where we'll be dropping off the coach, I'm pretty sure, for those that want to. Um, grab some fish and chips and then meander down to the ground from Cleethorpes. It, um, if the weather's like it's been today, it'd be great. Um, just on the subject of no alcohol, I think that makes absolute sense. And, and it was pointed out to travellers uh, the last away game that the driver runs the risk of losing his licence if he allows, if he knowingly allows people to drink alcohol or even to take alcohol onto the coach. So it's quite an important one to them. Um, I personally would add into the no alcohol rule, no fish paste sandwiches rule as well, because somebody close to me uh, on the other, on the other day was eating fish paste sandwiches and the place stunk out. Yeah, so, I can assure you it wasn't me and it did stink. And I think the same would go for eggs and onion. Quite as a personal preference, but there you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I also agree on the no alcohol thing. The SSA um, do a tremendous job uh, in organising coaches um, and uh, getting everybody coordinated and safely to, to the game and always look after their, their patrons who are on the coach. The small minority, and it is a small minority, and they who will know who they are, who bring alcohol on the bus brazenly in terms of cans or whatever, or sneakily in bottles of water or lemonade disguised as vodka or, or as water or Coke with a little a bit of uh, Bacardian or whatever. Don't do it. If you're happy to put somebody else's livelihood at risk and ruin it for everybody else, then shame on you and you are the type of people that you know if you can't if you can't spend an hour or two on, on a coach without having a drink google some meetings because you might need it there's pubs and area grounds simple i mean there are coach companies that will take people um who have a very obvious interest in in drinking which is fine. they shouldn't they shouldn't though they even even though yeah, what i'm saying is they will, they will build in a, a pub stop on the way oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. The SSA doesn't do yeah now i i don't i mean i'm 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 not a drinker, so I can, and I'm not righteous about this, self-righteous about this. But I do think that some of the things we see, because we go to every away game, I go to every away game, is that play, uh, fans turn up after kickoff, and it's clear that the most important thing to them was drinking, not the football. And they're the ones that tend to be uh, the, the focus of, of, uh, of the attention of the, of the stewards and the police and give our club a bit of a bad name at times. Yeah. I actually have a rule at all football grounds that no one should be allowed in after five minutes before kickoff. As soon as that hooter goes off for the teams to come into the tunnel, lock the turnstiles, shut the yeah. concourse. It's probably, a bit, it's probably a bit unfair on somebody who's desperately trying to get up the motorway, but there you go. Leave earlier, simple as. <laughs> right, that's it. That's my little run for today, Dunn. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Um, apologies about the uh, technical issues, which meant a later start. 
today I will go into the garden and retrieve all the audio equipment, put it back together. And if all else fails, remember the golden rule in Mansfield matters. Blame Cam. We'll see you next time. Let's hope the Stags can continue their winning run at Grimsby and look ahead to another week. And who knows, maybe they might bring an extra face through the door to replace uh, Alfie Kilgore, who's out for the rest of the season. Get well soon, Alfie. And remember, if those bricks do come flying at you, still head them to the left or to the right. I wonder, I wonder if Nart is still available. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Is that the uh, that the mental asylum? Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone's yeah. Clive Parkin. He lives in Edwinstead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's one. Thanks, guys. That's all we've got time for on tonight's Mansfield Matters podcast. My thanks, as ever, to the Mansfield Matters podcast panel and to you guys at home for getting involved with your comments, questions and opinions. Make sure you continue the conversation over on social media or at MCFC Matters. Go and search for us and you'll find us. And of course, don't forget to get involved in podcast predictions to stag head to Grimsby on Saturday afternoon. And the link that you need to play along is in the description right now. Right. We'll be back next week as we reflect on Grimsby and look ahead to another busy week for the Stags, where hopefully Nigel Clough has added another defender to the ranks and just alleviated all those fears of square pegs in round holes. Whatever happens, the football season is like a game of Jenga. Sometimes you put the pieces in the wrong places and you worry about the whole thing coming tumbling down. But with a little bit of tactical nous and a little bit of calm and patience, you get that piece in the right place and you can continue to build that tower all the way to the top. We'll see you next time on the show for the fans, by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. Goodbye. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans